Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Celt Show's Pantheon. As always, I'm Danielle, and as always, I'm joined by my podcast partner. How are you doing this afternoon? Good. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, let's, as always, let's just jump right into it. Um, on Friday, um, Bologna took on Benevento in a 1-1 draw. Yeah, um, excuse me. Um, interesting game. Uh, the worst game in terms of weather conditions all year. Um, I'm actually surprised either of these teams scored at all. It was just slipping, sliding all over the place. Um, sorry, it was Benevento and Bologna, right? Yes, Benevento versus uh, Lunch Meet FC. <laughs> Wait, do I have that wrong? Was that the rainy game? Or, or, or hold on a second. I can't remember. Hold on. Sorry. Just just give me a second. My entire – no, it is. It is. Um, okay. Scratch it. Okay, I'm good. Um, no, it, it was it was a very uh, – the weather conditions were crazy. Um, both teams uh, couldn't do all that much, um, but it, it still was a real – actually still was a really entertaining game. Um, Musabaro sets up um, – I forgot who scored the first goal early in the game. Really – intelligent pass just to to put it on a plate smashes it back in the net and then uh benevento um eventually get their goal um largely to um misfortune slippy slippy slippery ball goalkeeper tries to get it it kind of just lands in a puddle <laughs> and benevento <laughs> scored <laughs> so and it was like a back heel too, which would have been way more impressive if it was dry. But it was just, it was just uh, crazy weather conditions. I believe Bologna hit the post this game as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good point for both teams. Uh, Benevento was on not, uh, it's not playing all that well the last couple of weeks, and um, Bologna, who are starting to play better too, I think one uh, one is a fair result here. Um, but you know, it's it's hard to get anything truly going when it's when the weather conditions are so bad. Um, so I feel for the players, but also I, I bet it was a fun game to be part of just because that type of environment is fun to play in. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Both teams uh, come away with it with a point. Both teams probably would have wanted three, but considering the weather conditions, I would say both should be really reasonably happy with with what they got from it. <laughs> The real question is, maybe we should start getting, like, canoes or something for the players, and then they just play in their little canoes or something. I mean, she... Well, the play, it, it's not, like, for the players, it's no big deal. It's just misfortune more than anything else. In fact, I bet if you ask players, most players like playing in the rain. It's it's a, because goalkeepers are more likely to make mistakes, things like that. So I don't think the players have an issue with the rain. It's just... When there are rain games, it, there is more luck in it than in other games. But as far as just playing out there, I'm pretty sure players don't mind the rain. I, I think it's actually an enjoyable experience for some. I don't know. It depends how important the game is and what happened. But I, I don't think there's a big problem between the two, you know, situations. Right. But, like, overall, it was a fair result for both teams. Bologna is starting to, like, find their rhythm again, and that's a good sign from them because they haven't been performing well recently. So now to see that they're getting back into form is 
a, a sign of relief. And for Benevento, what do you think has happened to them? Like, they were performing so well, but you said just as of recently, they haven't been performing, like, at that level we've seen from them early on. Yeah, they, I think they just they got hot at the early parts of the season. They were riding that momentum. You know, you take out the the loss to to um, to Inter and Roma because I think they got annihilated in both of those games. If I have that right, I don't remember what the Roma scores, but outside of those two games, they performed really well against you know the teams they were playing. They got hot. They were they were, I don't know maybe they were uh, feeling that they would that they need to readjust their um, expectations. Uh, they were just a couple points outside of the Europa League um, not that long ago. And then, you know, when you have a team like Benevento, you don't have the players of some of the teams that are above them. So the talent is is not on your side. So you need to just continue to um, try to perform to the best of their ability. And I just think that um, – they're just they just hit kind of a cold streak lately, and um, it's 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 lately it feels like they either get a point or they lose. Um, so I think they'll be fine. Um, they're still I think they still are several points in front of the relegation zone, so they shouldn't be feel too threatened by it. But um, they just need to get back playing the way they were at the first through the first 10, 15 games. Yeah, I'm just checking where they're at at the table really quick. Just to... they're they're, uh, they're 15th. They have 24 points. Okay, um, and Bologna is actually in 12th place. So good job for them. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have I have the table on my computer as we're talking. So if you want, if you don't need to know something, <laughs> I can tell you. Well, ironically enough, that's how I've been doing it really recently too. Just having my laptop open because or else because I can't like bounce between my the app and the score app and stuff. So it helps. Yeah. Um, I gotcha. What do you think, um, Benevento will need to do in order to like, maybe get back into the driver's seat a little bit more? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say it is Benevento. They don't have a world-class player or anything like that. They have a good team. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Inzaghi, uh, the one that doesn't complain, um, should um, should sit down with his team and, and watch the last couple of games and see where they're struggling and, and what they need to improve on. And then as a group collectively, figure it out. Because with a team like this, you, you, you're you not relying on one player or another. It's a collective – it has to be a collective performance because they don't have the talent. Um, so just uh, figure out a way to get themselves back in, in business a little bit more. And once they get that first – not first one, but that first win of, over the last couple – um, or a convincing win. Once they get a convincing win, I think they should they should feel um, fairly confident um, going forward. Uh, it won't be next week, but maybe shoot for the week after. Um, you know, and trying to get it back, or even going into next week, maybe at least try not to get totally blown off the field. Maybe just lose by one goal. <laughs> I mean, again. It's 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 difficult because next week they play Roma and we know uh, the 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 Roma's record against a newly promoted team is twenty five wins zero draws and zero losses over the last couple of years. So in all likelihood they're not that's not going to be the game where they rebound. Um, but if they can put if they can play them kind of um, 
if they can play, if they can have a fight back performance where maybe they don't win, but they make, they make it more difficult than it should be, then maybe they can start playing better. But um, I just think they need a convincing win and then they'll start playing better just uh, in process. Yeah, now that you mention it, I think Benevento are like the um, I'm their version of the football. I make things way harder than things need to be, so I'm like I can relate. Um, but uh, overall, great result despite the weather conditions, and both teams should be happy with what they got. Uh, I, I wouldn't say great result. They could they can go away without being depressed about the situation. <laughs> but when both teams are struggling, one one is never a great result. It's it's acceptable because you're you need points, but it's but you're you know you're not gonna celebrate in the city for getting a one one draw against Bologna. <laughs> so up up next we have a. Goalless draw against Torino against Genoa. Yeah, um, I I don't understand how this game didn't have a goal in it. it opportunities from both sides. Um, Genoa, I think, hit the post one or two times. I think only once. Um, uh, they they played well. They had their chances. Torino had their chances as well. But um, this obviously it, it looks worse for for Torino than it does for. Um, Genoa because Genoa's in eleventh right now with uh, twenty five points. They're they're not that far from the center of the table. Where Torino are, I think they're barely outside of the relegation zone. Uh, yeah, so they're they're two points in front of the relegation zone right now. Luckily, the team below them has one draw in their last five games, and the rest were losses. But um, so for Torino, I think they should be disappointed because this was this is a type of game where. It was there's a good opportunity for them to, to get some points. They weren't able were unable to do so. Um, and then going into sort of the general point, Jen was playing well. Um, yes, they've been they've been picking up maximum points the last couple of weeks, but I don't think even I don't think taking a, a point to, uh, against Torino is a, a bad thing necessarily because they're not they're not really a threat to be relegated. They're not really going to push Europe, so they're. They're kind of in a, in the middle of the table, which means it's you're kind of you're not irrelevant, but the, the matches feel less important because if you're not chasing the title or fighting relegation, there's just not the same. Um, it's just not the, the game by game doesn't have the same level of importance and thing like that. But you know, good 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 result for them. I think they'll be happy with it. Obviously, they would have preferred all three, but they can they don't have to be look down at themselves because they got a, a point where Torino probably should because uh number one they had chances in this game and number two um they just they just not doing they're they're in a dangerous area so they need as many points as possible especially against a team that talent wise are probably pretty similar right um like you said this is a really good result at least for Genoa but for Torino who's been struggling they could they need all the points that they could get yeah, Genoa can live with it. That, again, it's not they're they they're not overly excited, but they can live with that result. Torino can't really because talent wise, are pretty. They're not. There's not too much to be separated from them, and one of them has Andrea Bellotti. So you think that team would have figured out a way to win the game, but it's just unfortunate. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's just unfortunate to see Torino in this state. Like we've been discussing this the past few weeks, it just sucks um, because we know this is a team that is 
has a rich history, but just lately, it's they've been struggling, and I think I'm trying to remember where they finished last season. Um, not not in a good pl- place. So it's not like I think maybe twelfth, thirteenth, something like that. Yeah, they had one. Se- they, they had a season two years ago where they finished seventh. But ever, every, ever since then, ever since um, over the last five, six years, it, they've been basically, essentially, take out the seventh place year, they're finishing ninth or tenth every season. So it's not, it's, it's not like um, they're challenging for Europe and then, you know, then finishing 14th. They've been in the ninth, tenth, third, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth range for many, many years. Um, they had one year where they got overly, where they overachieved and got seventh, but. You know, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But just recently, they the past few seasons they haven't been doing too well. But and this happens to be one of their like worst seasons in probably well, quite a while, right? Yeah, this is their worst season in quite a while. But it's not. It's I don't know how to explain. It. It's not a. It's not a ginormous drop off because they weren't. They were never in that conversation of like we can push for Europe. They were always finishing near the middle or a couple spots below that. So it's not like they went from a challenging team to a team that's finishing in, in 15th. They're, they're a mid-table team that, that had one season where they overachieved. So this has not been a good season, but the last couple of years haven't been – like it's not, they've had, it's not like they've had consistent good seasons in a row and then, you know, dropped dead. They've had reasonable seasons, but not. It's not like they were they were trying they were going to accomplish anything. Um, so, anyways, that that's all I'm saying. So, for those like, has uh, everybody knows I've only been going into into the sport for going on six years. Um, so, like, what is like the main thing that you really think that Torino need to do to like step it up again? Because I know we've discussed this before, but like, is it maybe assigning a certain position or like adjusting the formation. When you say step it up again, what do you mean by that? Like um, to get back more into the middle of the table where we're used to seeing them. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a lost cause at this point, not to say they can't do it over the number of years, but they're losing their best player this summer. They 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 will. He's not Belotti's not there next year. He, he's in his prime and and has been one of the top scorers in the league the last couple of years, other than those two inconsistent years. But he's been one of the their, their most productive strikers, um, in in the last a long time. He's I think he's their their uh, he's top ten in all time goals for Torino, and you have to think of all the the historical players that have played for Torino bef- that came before him. He's not going to just sit there and, and have be on a team that's finishing in the fifteenth to even tenth range. They're, they're going to lose him, um, and they're not going to get what they would have got three years ago when um, when his asking price was a hundred million. Um, which I, that's that's how. If, if you want to know the real truth, how everything got screwed up, that's how they 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 set his asking price at at way too high. They didn't cash in when they should have. And they, because of that, they they couldn't, they didn't, uh, didn't able, weren't able to get the pieces that would have helped them stay in the in the middle of the table, because they could have got sixty four in the year they the year they're asking for a hundred, um, and um, they because they didn't cash in there in the situation, and as good as he is, they needed to cash in on that because 
uh, they would have they, they'd be a better team. They'd have more pieces around them. There'd be more stuff really looking at potentially being in in the in the in, they would be where like Verona is right now, where they're not making Europe, but they're always interesting. They're always an in, a team that's that is in that conversation, pushing. Um, at least trying to get in that space, they'd be there. But because they didn't sell him when they had the chance, they, they, you know, they screwed themselves and they're going to lose him this summer for a lot less. Um, I think, I don't know who, who's getting relegated, but, but if they get relegated, uh, of course, they're not going to be able to keep him regardless. So it's not like there's one or two things they can do. They can try to make some under radar signings. They can kind of try to do what Genoa did. Um, but Genoa had better stability in, in certain positions than Torino does. So it's – they're just going to have to figure it out. But um, I think there's there's a good possibility that they go down. Right now it's, it's, it's going to be close between them and, and a few other teams. But at, at worst – I mean, at best, rather, I think Torino will, could finish maybe one or two spots outside of the relegation. So at the maximum – but that's not going to save them from losing a Bellotti. So um, there's not really – I can't really answer that in a way where there's a, there's like a cheat code of how to do it. But it's – it's they're in it – when they didn't sell Bellotti, they put themselves in this situation. So on one hand, I have respect for Torino, great club. I, I have an affection for them. Um, I hope they don't go down. On the second – on the other side of the coin, they kind of did it to themselves. So I can't – I'm not going to be too broken up about someone who – who put themselves, who d- literally dug their own hole and then jumped in it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I've always been curious. How much do you think Bellotti will go for this season at the end in the transfer window? Um, I'd be willing to pay 45. That's, that's prop. I don't know. Maybe, maybe 50, but I, I think that's even high. Um, I'm just thinking about this from my perspective because I want Roman to sign him. And so if you're asking me what would I be willing to pay to, to sign him, probably 45. Schick was bought for 42. He did nothing. And so he would break the record or transfer record at 45. Um, if that happens um, – or if they're in, if, if, yeah, so about 45, there are, there are teams who will pay more than that, but I, that's, that's the extent I will, I'm willing to pay because from my, from my team's perspective, Roma or Roma can, can use that money in other areas. So I'm not holding out for, for, for Bellotti. I'd love Bellotti, but I'm not, I would, I would not be comfortable paying more than 45. Yeah. Cause I was just wondering where, how much you think he would be worth because we don't, really ever talk besides a few players here and there we really never discuss like possible like amounts for certain players so i was just curious on what you would value him at him at um let's see what we got up next napoli winning one zero against juventus um wait wait did you give your piece on the torino game yet oh sorry did i miss that oh wait let me give my piece um yeah, we have to make sure that I'm not, I'm not talking all the time. You, I'm going to need to be able to answer stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I forgot about that. Sorry, my bad. Um, overall, uh, Genoa, it, as always, it's another point for you, Torino. Hopefully, you're able to, like, get something going because it would suck to see you relegated. But 
as Elliot just stated, you shot yourself in the foot by not selling Bilotti uh, when he was pretty much valued at $100 million where you could have at least had enough money to like rebuild and hopefully get some of those. Right. He, hold on. Just, just for a sec, one second here. So he wasn't, he wasn't valued. He, Torino valued him at $100 million, but at that time, they could have got 60, probably 60 to 65 for him. So when I was talking about that, I mean, they were, they were foolish not cashing in at that point instead of holding the hundred million price tag at the time, Chelsea, Chelsea's the only one I'm, I'm familiar with, but Chelsea was interested, but they did not do it once they heard the asking price. So they backed out. If they had had his asking price at 60, 50, whatever it is, they probably would have got the deal done. But it's because of Torino's Atkins price that he's still there and why they're in this situation. That's, that's what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, yep. But it basically you could have had a chance to rebuild a little bit with that money, but now you're in this mess. So hopefully you figure out something with the team that you do have. But I just hope that you're able to, like, survive relegation because it would suck to see you go down, especially the history that you guys have had. Okay. Now we're on to Napoli winning 1-0 against Juventus. Um, in short, Napoli were the better team. Their great defensive performance. Alex Merritt looked like a legit goalkeeper uh, this weekend. Um, a lot of good stuff from Napoli's camp. Um, Juventus had more, had the most chances, wasted a bunch, didn't didn't confer in front of goal, should have put themselves in better position to score. Uh, the goal itself should not have been a goal. Um, the pe- I'm sorry, it's not a penalty. Um, I don't see how you can argue that's a penalty. Um, he wasn't taken down by um, Ticcolini. He was... Um, it's just one of those things where there was a slight contact, but it wasn't. It had nothing to do. It's it's his his arm flailed and and connected with with the I don't know who it was who the the Napoli attacker inside the box, but his motion does not. Uh, you know, he didn't push him down. He didn't grab him. He didn't disrupt the play itself. He just happened to, in the motion, hit him in the face with his hand, and it wasn't aggressively. It was very light. He fell to the ground. Um, uh, and they steps up and scores, whatever, whatever. Um, so again, I don't think it's that did with it, that definitely should not have been a penalty. And if that had happened, it would have been a, a, a um, zero zero type of game. Um, but I, I appreciate it because uh, Juventus uh, fell out of the top three after being in, in there for a short amount of time. Both of these teams will play again at the end of the season. They still have the game in hand, both of them. Um, but, uh, it was a great performance defensively from Napoli. I thought they did a good job. Um, and then obviously they attacked with, with Juventus and stuff like that, but like, it just wasn't good enough. Ronaldo was bad. Um, after having such not a brilliant game against Roma, but he had that moment against, uh, Roma with, with that goal and, you know, su- supplying the difference in that game to take them to that level and um, didn't, didn't come up uh, at all. Uh, didn't really have that many. Uh, he, had chan- he definitely had had chances uh, to score, but j- as everyone else, it was just a poor uh, game from um, from U- Juventus. And as always, Pillar just sat, sat still and made substitutions. <laughs> so, um, 
Uh, and I think it's I think it's a little rich that he's whining about um, uh, the penalty. Yes, that's probably not a penalty, but come on. I mean, it's not the reason you if if you know. You still, Juventus are still significantly the second best um, uh, team all all night. So, right, um, yeah, Napoli, good job at least getting the three points and uh, knocking Juventus out of third. So uh, Roma could just uh, Roma are now in third, right? Yeah, only on only on goal um, difference, only because Nap. No, so Roma have uh, 43 points. Uh, Juventus has 40. Um, Napoli has – hold on. I, I, it's right in front of my face. What am I not saying? So Roma has 43. Juventus has 42. Napoli is 40. Um, so, But Juventus and Napoli still have to play a second time at the end of the season. Um, so if Juventus wins, they would be in third and Roma would be in third. And, it, you know, you get, you get it. It's just, it's just based on that. But as it currently stands, Roma are still in third place. Um, because you, you don't know what's going to happen between Napoli and Juventus the second time. But that will be at the end of the season. So by that point, but as, as it stands, they fell out of, out of the top three. Um, so that's on Juventus. But I'm just saying it's, it's not totally reflective because they still have a game in hand. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, overall, great job for Napoli. They did well defensively and attacked well. Um, both teams had like wasted chances besides the penalty that was converted. Um, but overall, a fair result for Napoli, and we'll see what happens in their second fixture. Do you agree with me on the penalty, or do you think it was <laughs> just based on what you saw? I don't think it was like a penalty. There was there was contact, but he wasn't like aggressively going for it. Okay, that's fair. Just curious. Yeah, because. It's just like one of those scenarios where it's like you get some of, and of course, like we learned, like some of these calls are hard to make too. So, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get we'll get onto it, but like the inter one, and and we'll, we'll get we'll get there at the end. But that one, it was so hard to see both ways, and I think I I have a personal uh, I I know which side of that I I stand on, but those that's ones that one's much more difficult to call than you know, the one in the Napoli game, the Napoli game was just a, a, an arm that flew and hit someone <laughs> went to the ground far too easily. I might add. Um, but again, I don't think Juventus can say, Oh, poor us because they had, they had twice as many chances to score and they didn't. So that's not, that's not Napoli's fault. And it's not Napoli's fault. They gave them a bogus penalty. <laughs> right. Um, and speaking of Pirlo, like he was, you said he was just sitting there on the sidelines. Like, just, and all he really does is make substitutions. Like, why do you think he's like so reserved? Do you think he's like just trying to adjust into the manager position, or why do you think then? Uh, it's it's weird because I love Pillar as a player. He's one of my he's one of my all time favorites. Um, I, he was even on my old Instagram um, logo. Um, so it, it, it puts me in an uncomfortable situation because I don't like criticizing one of my heroes growing up. It just feels weird. Um, same way it feels weird when I criticize Ronaldo who's not playing well. I don't like to do it, and I wish I didn't have to, but the facts are the facts. Pillow doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He made what he, 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 There's one thing great he did. He banged on the table and said, give me Western McKinney from Schalke. He delivered on that. 
And I'm sure that he's helping the individuals based because of his experience and what he's done in, in football and all the, all the trophies that he's won. It is infectious to the individual. But when it comes to in-game strategy and, uh, and tactics and, and figuring out something, it just, seem, it, does, it just seems like he doesn't do very much other than make substitutions. And he makes pretty good substitutions. I, I, and I think his starting 11 is a little inconsistent, but most of the time he's making the right choices. My issue with him is he doesn't seem to be doing anything once the game starts. There's nobody yelling at someone um, or trying to direct. He's just standing there and watching the game. And when it's going well, he's throwing his arms up or he's, he's clapping and saying good job. When, when it goes poorly, he's putting his arms up in the air like, like contact. So it's just like, but for, but for example, you know, he's there's some great managers um, who do not who are not vocal. Um, do you do you know uh, uh, Carlo Angelotti? He coached Napoli last year. He's a yes. Do you, did you see the video of him uh, reacting to um, uh, the Everton's uh, late? No, winner? I haven't seen that one. So so Carlo Angelotti is the classic, no composure. No celebratory. He's just he's just calm and chill. But he's also he's also doing tactical things. Um, when uh, Real Madrid equalized in the Champions League final, when they were about to lose it, no reaction from Angelotti. It's as if nothing happened. And then um, Everton come back against Spurs and and win uh, win late. Um, and there's this video of him just just cooling. He has like a, a cup of uh, tea in his hand. And he's just blowing on his cup of tea and cooling it down. He's not reacting to a, I think it was like a 90-second minute winner. Okay. So there's a difference between not having composure and not um, having, you know, those those different situations with with that. Pillar is not doing – he doesn't – he's not visibly doing anything. So I'm not sure that's what he's doing. And I'm not sure – I don't know. I would I would make a decision at the end of the season. Juventus has given the managers longer than others, longer than Chelsea, for example. So he might get the benefit of the doubt, but I, I just don't see anything from him right now. Right. Yeah, because I was just curious, because I know there, uh, certain managers have different ways of going about things, but it just seems like he never, besides substitutions and setting up the formation and, like, clapping when they make a goal or, like, putting their hands up like Antonio Conte when they don't score. But other than that, it's like he really doesn't do much. But maybe he's just trying to adjust into being a manager. But, it I mean, this should have been more than enough time for him to adjust. And yet... He's still not vocal, but there are, as you say, there are, could, are some managers who aren't really vocal, but who knows? We, he may be doing a lot of this stuff in the locker room at, during, like, halftime, like getting his team pepped up that we just don't see. Yeah, I think another issue is he is um... – <sighs> I don't know. I, I just find it strange for an old, a player, a veteran, to be t- um, to be taken seriously from like he doesn't have a sense of authority in the management world yet. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's part of it. And I don't think he's a bad manager. I just think this job in particular is over its head and and all that sort of thing. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but hopefully... Uh, so, let's see. Who did Napoli face next? Uh, I don't know, but those two play again at the end of the season, I think. I'm just checking up who's playing who next week. Napoli take on Atalanta and Juventus take on Cortone. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's hard to see what will happen there. Atalanta could be tough. Um, Cortone shouldn't be tough since they're probably ma- they're not mathematically relegated, but we all assume they're not they're not even going to move up one spot on the table before the end of the season. Um, but they did take one point of their nine off of Juventus, so you just never know what right. Up next, we have Spezia winning 2-0 over uh, Milan. I mean, this was Milan's worst performance of the season. Um, They did not play well. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) Don't get too cocky because... This might come back to bite you a little bit. Uh, um, no, but but this was a really bad performance. Um, yes, AC Milan had chances, but th- this was this was just this was really bad. And don't take my word for it. Look at um, AC Milan fans on social media, and they're not making excuses or anything like that. They just basically accepted this was a horrible performance. And is it the beginning of the end? Some AC Milan fans already seem to see, already seem to think so. Um, but you have to understand. And yes, it makes them look like a bunch of choke choke artists. But the thing is, AC Milan's their goal this season was not to win the league. Even though, even when they were top of the league, they weren't expected. Or I don't know how to explain it. Milan wasn't expecting to win the league, and even when they were in first place. They, their, their priority still was Champions League football. And I think that's, the pe- that's something that's getting a little construed is that because AC Milan were doing so well, that their expectation was winning the league. And I don't think it ever has been. If they did it by coincidence, great. But getting back into Europe it was their main priority. And I, I don't think that's changed. Um, but obviously this is, this is a big blow in the title race. Um, again, it is only one point. But at the same time, Ace Mall have to do better than that. And um, Spade did do another, um, another you know, big performance against a, one of those bigger teams um, in um, the um, in the league. They're in 13th right now. They're they're 24 points, so it's looking good right now, um, um, and things like that. Um, by the way, uh, there's a stat um, that, that came out that I don't like. So uh, Italian football TV, fuck you. Um, but um, <laughs> so apparently um, Spezia have, um, have has seven points out of the top, whatever it is, top four, top five, uh, the top six this season. Um, and Roma has three, <laughs> which, makes it, which makes us look really shit. Um, but you know, you didn't have to post it the day Roma won. So I, I clearly see what you're doing. Sorry. Um, but but you know, Spates did a great performance. Two great goals. The first the first goal that was scored was the the, the you know off the free kick, uh, one touch and ripped it into the top corner. Kind of reminded me of Tony Cruz against uh, Sweden in the World Cup. One touch and just blasted it in there. And then they got another one and. You know, they, that's a great point for them, and they're, it looks like they're, they're going to 
they'll stay at least one more season in the top flight and AC Milan, you know, suffer a massive blow in the title race and a massive blow in, in, you know, <laughs> just, just the whole, the whole situation. Again, their, their, their expectation and their, their desire is champions league football. It's not winning the title, but you know, they had, they had moments where it looked like and they still have a chance to win it. I'm not saying it's done, but it, Certainly a blow for what, how they were playing. And the concern is, well, how are they going to react to this? Because that's how it's going to depend everything is if they can react to, to, to things like that. And um, by the looks of it, it's hard, it's hard to say whether they will or not. But um, this is obviously a, a low blow for, for, um, for AC Milan. I don't say Man City. <laughs> Oh, I wish we were able to do like that thing, where, like I mentioned, be able to cut like certain things and put it into a different place at the end for like bloopers, because that would still be funny. But we wouldn't have any. It'd be like a, it'd be like a, a minute and a half video, which would kind of defeat the right. Purpose. But yeah, Space did a great job on getting the win um, and getting that momentum against some of the bigger clubs. Um, you're doing very well, um, Milan. I mean. In my opinion, could, as you just said, some of the AC Milan supporters are thinking this is the beginning of the end of the, their title race. I still think it's going to be close between Inter and um, Milan throughout the rest of the season. But it, it's all going to come down to what happens going forward because we all know that um, Milan are going to be competing in the Europa League. And yeah, I'm, I think they're going to throw it. Yeah, I I generally do. First of all, no one wants to go to Belgrade to play any football game. I know there's no fans. You're going to hear them outside the stadium. So even if they try their best against, you know, you get, you know, try your best again, try to put out the strongest team, try to win. They're going to throw it. I mean, not intentionally, but if I'm AC Milan, I wouldn't put any of my, like, really key players in that in, a, in that lineup, at least you don't start any of them because they don't want to sabotage it. Look, AC Milan, as good as they are, they're not going to be totally, you know, they just, even if they pull full strength, they don't have the qualities over some of the other teams in the competition to win the whole thing. So I don't think they can win the whole thing, number one. Number two, they want to, they still want to keep themselves in the top three, top four, whatever it is. They just want to make champions. And that's the point. So I don't think the Europa League is something that they're going to take too much. They're, they'll play a very strange team. Um, you'll probably see some academy product in there occasionally because I just don't think they can handle going through that and and the other thing. So anyway. But yeah, but it depends on what they decide to do with it, though, because I mean, but of course, now that they're going to be playing um, in the Europa League and in league, they're going to be a little bit more fatigued going forward. Only, only if they only. play key players, they can, they can, they, they have enough squad depth in the in their their uh, uh, Europa League list to bench every starter. They can play without any of their starters. Do you remember um, who who tried to throw themselves out? Do you remember the year that Sarri's Natalie yep. almost won the title? They they basically intentionally threw the Europa not threw it through. It sounds like they're trying to lose, but they they didn't play any of their their key players. They just let them. 
not lie down and, and for, I think they got knocked out by uh, Salzburg, but they got knocked out and they only, they only missed out the league on a couple of points. And the reason they got knocked, they, the reason they didn't win the league was because of the Europa League stuff. So yes, if they, if they go for the Europa League, it'll make, it'll strain the league title chase. But if, if they, they play a reserve squad in the Europa League all the way through, then again, I, I think you'll probably, be pretty close until the end. I don't think this title is being decided by one. I think it'll be a little bigger than that. You get what I'm saying? So it just depends on how. how, how yeah, and up next week they have uh, a huge matchup against uh, my boys Inter next on Sunday. So pretty much, I zero 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 with no shots on goal. Ah. <laughs> uh, I don't have an issue with you winning it because I think you're going to win it and then not win it again for a very long time. Uh, but secondly, I not, we're not. I know Baltimore are not winning it. I know that, but we're only a few points from Macy Milan at this point. I think it's like six, so it benefits both. My it benefits us if both teams don't get anything or both teams right. just get a point. Because even even if I know we're not going to win it. If it comes down to it and the gap is small, you know, because we're only – so we're only six points from Milan and we're only seven points from you. Seven points is, is manageable. So even if we, we're not going to – I just want it as close as possible. <laughs> no, but that, that's going to be really – that's, that's the, 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 the biggest defining moment. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be like the determining factor of who's going to really push for it. Because if Milan lose it, then and then I think they take you on not this week but the week after, and then if they lose to you, we discussed yeah. this in our private chat that if they lose both of these key matches, they're going to be out of it because it's basically yeah. kaput at that point. Because then, well, you have to you have to put everything in perspective though. If they lose to you. Then it's, four points. What is it? That'd be three points. That'd be four points. And then let's assume they pick up three points the next week. You pick up three points um, the next week as well. And then they lose to Roma. That'd be that would be and you win. That'd be six points. But the the common denominator is you have to win both of your games. So it doesn't it doesn't kick them out unless you win. The, the, you have to beat Milan. Then you have to beat whoever you play after that. And then you have to beat whoever you play after that. So you have to win three straight for them to like you can we can theoretically together knock them out of the, the title race, but in order for that to happen, Inter need to win out as well. You can't drop any points and because if 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 you beat them and beat them the game in between, then it's still gonna be a manageable. Right, to, to that makes up. sense. Um let's see. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I was just checking who we were facing over the next few matches really quick. So who do you, who do you have after um after Milan? We, ha- That's we have Genoa, and then we have uh, Parma. <laughs> if you don't beat Parma the second time, I'm gonna laugh. Yeah, go ahead. I'll allow it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but because I. I think one of their whatever twelve points came or whatever they have came from you because I think you had a um, early in the season that that was a tough one for you. No, but if you win both of those games and Milan 
loses, um, you know, uh, to, to Roma and Inter. And then, hold on. I'm just going to see who they have in between. They have Udinese. Uh, sorry. No, they have. No, they, hold on a second. No, next week. Next, no, no, you're, you're right. You're right. So, so it's, it's you guys, it's us, and then it's Udinese to, at the beginning of March. So if they drop all three, um, then whatever. Right. I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point, but yeah. So, so, but we'll see what happens. There's, there's no determining. And, and for that to happen, everyone has to win. Um, so anyway. So up next, we have your boys, Roma winning three zero against you today. Um, yeah. Um, a good performance. Um, a very complexing situation because I, up um i watched some of it um but it was the game was my 30 so i came but then i saw on social media all, a couple of roma of my friends sorry a couple of my roma friends ripping on the performance saying it was a disgusting performance but we still won um and then i watched the game and i don't i don't quite i don't quite follow what they were saying like it wasn't perfect it wasn't the greatest performance ever we didn't do much that happened guys couple guys like Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini played really poorly, but you know, I thought we did pretty well. As a um, as create, creativity died um, when uh, Rodrigo DePaul was introduced to Gianluca Mancini. <laughs> he just went into a hole and never, it was never seen from the whole game. Um, because, you know, obviously, brilliant, by the way, brilliant by, by Virtue. Um, Making that run, pushing a little higher than up up the pitch than expected, or what you could argue he should have done. But he may, he takes that risk. He gets into the box and gets his head on the on the the cross from puts it in. Um, and then you know Romer off the, the races after just a couple of minutes into the game. Uh, and then obviously uh, they get a penalty. I don't think it was a penalty to be honest, but. I, I'm okay with it, though, because there was a penalty in the second half that wasn't called. So I, I fought, kind of feel like it levels it out. Um, Vertu steps up, buries it uh, to make it 2-0. And then Pedro at the at the end, at the last kick of the game, scores um, an, a, a third. Um, didn't really – wasn't really threatened by Udinese at all. Lopez made one out in favor. Udinese should have scored. And they had a few chances – Kind of periodically here and there and, and things like that, um, but in, in fairness, um, you didn't feel bad about this performance. Roma have the best home form in the whole league. Uh, they have thirty points from home games. I'm not going to reveal their away record because I don't need to stress myself. But in terms of home form, they have, they're unbeaten. Um, no one else is unbeaten. So you, you go into that team. So you go, you go, you play a team like Roma who are spotless at home and kill everyone that's not in out that's not in the top six um you know you're gonna you're gonna have a rough game the game was a lot easier than probably expected um but the the big takeaways is mancini's incredible performance uh i don't remember a better defensive performance this season he literally stopped he he, he eliminated the most creative player from Udinese and they didn't do anything after that. And he, and not to mention he got an assist. He was really strong and, and influential. And then obviously um, 
Vertu was also very good at uh, kind of showing his quality as well and, and doing his thing. But I think um, good performance. I, there's a lot more, it was a lot less difficult than I thought it would be. Um, but, you know, this has just uh, been the Roma this season. They just kill everyone outside of the top six and struggle with, with the top six teams. Um, but uh, as I was pointed out to me um, before, um, I think, um, yes, the, the, the issue with the top six is, is a problem. But Roma once lost the title by losing to Sampdoria. So winning the games that Roma would un- characteristically not win or struggle with, it's it's sign as a progress. And uh, again, this is the most out of all the teams in Italy, they've overachieved more than anybody else. And all they had to do was win a couple of these games in the top six. But yeah, you know, it was uh, it was a fairly good performance. Um, not much to take away from it other than that, but uh, they got the job done. They got the points um, and then puts us in, in space and in the right head space for the Europa League on Thursday. Um, I suspect Roma will bench or rest some key players, but uh, Roma want to win this thing. So I, I, I suspect everything kind of goes the way it does, but um, yeah, so good, good, good win. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bertut, that goal was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, that goal was amazing. <laughs> um, overall, Roma did a great job creating and finishing those chances. They did a great job maintaining the momentum throughout the whole entire match. Um, one, Udinese, hopefully you get back a win next week. Um, but overall, very well done for Roma. And um, who do you guys take on next week? Uh, ben yeah, sh- you should be- get. You should got. You have that Matt, game. You have it. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Um, I don't remember what, what we did last time. I think we beat them three, three now, four now, something. We beat you them beat up. Them up. Yeah, um, that you did. Not as not as bad as against Bologna, but I forgot what it is. I think it was – I don't remember, but we beat them last time. Um, no, nah, but good performance. Uh, El Shirawi, uh didn't play, but he was available, which makes me think he's going to play against Braga on Thursday, um, which will be a, will be a wonderful uh, return to the, the team after uh, being sold uh, a year and a half ago or whatever. Right. Um, up next, we have, oh, lost my screen here. Um, I don't want to win 1-0 against Cagliari. Yeah, um, they're so lucky, uh, to get out of this with three points. There was two penalty claims at the end of the, at the, at the last kick of the game. Um, they looked at the wrong one. So the actual penalty was was ignored and then uh, um obviously it's just it's a gut punch to them because they're trying to win games and they need points and that was a perfect opportunity for them to get a point and uh, just a little unfortunate for the boys at the very bottom of the table um but i i think that um i don't know Cagliari's in trouble, and Alonso didn't look very good. Luis Mario came off the bench and does what he does when he comes off the bench, score goals. I believe he's the highest goal scorer off the bench in Italy since uh, coming back, back from Sevilla, I think, two years ago. Um, he just he, – this is what he does. He comes off the bench and scores goals. 
Uh, brilliant strike. Um, Cracknell was excellent. Made some really, really great saves. Uh, he's another goalkeeper that probably will be available to the highest bidder in the summer. Uh, of the goalkeepers being thrown in the, in a, in and around, um, he's probably the the one with the, the highest ceiling and probably the most expensive. Uh, so that goes into it as well. Um, and then, um, wait, who who they play again? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, Alanta, Alanta, uh, Alanta also played well. In the goal. Both outstanding goalkeeping from both ends. Um, but um, Luis Mariel to the box and, and finding that moment, is it was the big um, big moment. But again, I feel like Cagliari were robbed at the end by not potentially robbed. I don't know if they would have scored the penalty, but a penalty should have been given at the end, and, and they uh, mismanaged that. Okay. Um Overall, this match was pretty cut and dry. Atalanta had that one key moment that secured him the three points. Um, Cagliari um, he continues to struggle, and it's or if they do get these like moments, it's very like far like far and few. I guess that's how I'm wording it. Uh, yeah, but mm-hmm. overall, they just need to get, like, some sort of momentum going. I mean, they have a decent squad, but I think, in my opinion, for Cagliari, they have a lot of defensive issues and just and um, just they struggle with, like, finishing those key chances that they do get. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully they're able to get something going again, but... Right now, it's just looking very like yeah. bleak for them at the moment. Yeah, and congratulations to Atlanta for not being relegated. You you reached the the point requirement to survive. <laughs> so good job! <laughs> wow, that's what I say anyway. Forty points. If you get forty points, you survive the season. That's what people say. I think you can get relegated for, or you can you can survive for less than that. But that's that's basically the same. Is you need forty points to survive. And, oh, and actually, I never <laughs> heard of that one before. If you did, it was like a long time ago. And of course, being ADHD, I can't forget. <laughs> no, um, no. Who who said it? Um, Ranieri, um, Ranieri, and when when he was with Leicester City with the year they won the title, um, when they got thirty points, he or forty points, he was he was who celebrating saying um, that he, that they, they'd achieved their, um, they're not going to be relegated. So he, he, they achieved their goals, which was going into that last year season. The goal was to survive rather than do anything else. So once he got 30 points, he was like, uh, I don't know. It was, a, it was like one of his press conferences during that year where he talked right. about that. And Ottawa, good job getting another three points. Um, obviously you just survived the season. Um, just hopefully you're able to get some sort of momentum yourselves because, and just start performing a little bit more consistently because we know what you're capable of, even though this, this team that we fell in love with no longer exists, but you got, yeah, I, I don't think the Europa League, I think Lazio will be the team that, that finishes, I guess, I, I think Lazio's are going to finish either fifth or sixth. And then either Alanta or Napoli are making it, but both aren't. Um, but Alanta, Alanta can make the Europa League if they win the Copa Italia against Juventus. So if if they win that, 
if they win, sorry, if they win the Europa, it's not the Europa League, the Copa Italia. If they win the Copa Italia, then they they'll get into Europe. But I I'm not sure they'll you'll get into it based on right. the table. But just hopefully, Atalanta, you're able to do something and get some momentum go like that we've seen from you in the past two seasons. Um, up next, Sampdoria win two one against Fiorentina. Now this was a great game. Um, Dragonowski and Emil Odero put on a fucking show. I mean, they were making some really outstanding saves. Um, and obviously, uh, your your pal down there in Sampdoria, Kita Balde, scores the first goal to put Samp in, in in the lead again, as he has done most of the season. Um, and Fiorentina gets one back. It, but it it was like the harshest goal ever. Adaro makes a, a save, and then on the rebound, he, he extends his arm and hits the ball out of the net. It was just the most incredible goalkeeping ever. But unfortunately, the ball crossed the line, you know, before he had hit it out. Um, which I, I feel bad for him because it's such a great save. Uh, it's one of those saves that's not going to be shown because the goal stood. But um, it's just an unbelievable save. And then um, t- to get it back, and then. Uh, Fabio Corriella um, comes up with a big, a big moment, and Barry, uh, Barry Sistro, uh give uh, Samp a two-one win. Samp have been uh, quietly doing some business. They're still in the top ten, and they really look like, um, like a, they look like a very good team here. Claudio Ranieri may be sixty-plus years old, but he's still doing it with a team that that seems to really respond well to his. Um, yeah, Sam Dory, great job again in the results. Um... Let's see. Who did you play again? Fiorentina. Okay. Uh, Fiorentina, I mean, you're doing great so far. You're still proving me. You're kind of proving me and Elliot wrong again, but you. Um, oh, yes, but they are. Oh, yeah, that if, I did. If you didn't know. But they, they, they are five points or five. They, they're, they're, they're having a decent. Performance wise, they've been good, but they they're, they're not any of they're down there. <laughs> but they have been playing, poorly, and that one's that game wasn't really. I don't know. I thought it was fortunate for them to score, but I thought they played well in the game. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. I had a uh, takes a minute away from here for a second, um, but overall, um, great win for Sampdoria and Fiorentina. I mean, you're still doing well. I mean, you can still be performing a little bit better because we've seen you perform maybe as a mid-level team from the last time I've seen you in a position there. Um, so hopefully things turn around for you a little bit more. And, yeah, that's the end of that one. Um, Sassuolo win 2-1 against Crotone. Uh, no, that was good for Sassuolo. I mean, I know it's Crotone, and yeah, everyone beats Crotone. Everyone just shows up and gets points. But, but I thought, oh, wow. I thought that um, Berardi's goal was absolutely superb, just nailing it in the bottom corner, uh, taking the, the defender with him as well, and just creating just enough space to hit that. And it wasn't the malicious shot, but it was very well placed out of, outside of the reach, um, obviously. Um, so it was a great goal. And then uh, they get the penalty through Caputo. Caputo comes in, converts it after um, Cortona equalized. Um, good. I mean, they're 
what are they? They're eighth in the table. They're probably that's probably the extent of what they'll be able to do. They're seven points from seventh place, so I, I don't see them making Europe any sort or anything like that. But um, they're they're doing well. Um, kind of makes me think they're going to be uh, selling some players um, this summer, but um, we'll find out when that happens. Um, and then obviously Cortone, um, twelve points. Um, not a lot, uh, but they're not dead yet. I think they're dead, but I don't, but mathematically they're not dead yet. And they are just three points, um, five points from survival. Um, but you know, there's just not, there's not very good team, but, uh, they do have some, they still have a chance at hope though. Um, Cortoni had been in the situation before a few years ago. It looks like they were going to be gone. And then somehow, some way, they, they got hot and came out of it. Um, different Crotone team um, with a different coach. But uh, they still have a decent shot. I just don't think they'll do it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, this was Tone. I mean, they've been struggling throughout this season. And it just looks like at this point, mathematically, even – they're not fully relegated, but just based on how they are as a team, they don't have what it takes to, like, maybe survive this season. So, and it just sucks that they just came back up um, after being out of the out of Syria last season. Um, this is a team that, if I'm trying to remember back when I first got into the sport, was performing – think mid table no 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 so do you remember the year that um we talked about it when we talked to for fernando do you remember how i told them we were talking about how they beat lazio the last game of the season right so that year crotone looked like the worst team in the history of italian football and then slowly but surely they got hot they got hot they kept going they kept going they kept going second half of the season they got themselves out of the relegation zone temporarily and then um, a team that they need to lose won. And then they ha- so they had to beat Lazio, um, I think, away from home to stay in the league. And they beat Lazio 3 1 to survive. So they survived that season. The next season, they get relegated, I think. Um, no, I think it was only two years. I don't think they stayed for a third year, but, but, but they were here for two years in the past. But the, their survival season was, the, was probably the most dramatic ending in, uh, in the history of, of Syria, at least this decade. So, But they were never a team that was mid-table. They were always a team that was fighting for their lives. So they knew that coming in. But it's just not as, it hasn't gone well for them. But maybe yeah. – but it's possible they're not as bad – or. You know they're not as bad as Parma because you know they just they just conceded, and now they're losing. So uh, anyway, continue. So hopefully they're able to do something, but at this point it's pretty much game over for them. Um, but Sassuolo, I know you've lost your momentum, but this is just a great win for you guys um, to show that you're still a, a good mid-table team. Um, so, yeah, there's really not much to be said to, about that besides that good job, Sassiolo and Cotone. Ugh, I just feel bad for you. Um, up next, Inter win 3-1 against your best friend, Lazio. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what to ask. You, what, what were your thoughts on the game? Overall, this was a great performance, especially from Lukaku. Um, he, first, uh, he had that penalty, which was executed perfectly. Um, and he also scored that goal, um, uh, like I think a few minutes, like 10 minutes later. And no, then- no, no, slow, slow down. The penalty was, was midway through the first half, unless a few minutes later means 20. He scored at the end of the first half in the 45th minute to, for the intersecond. I just don't want you to sound like a, you know, a lunatic. <laughs> so, just... Yeah, um, my, like I said, my brain's all over the place today. Um, but then, of course, um, later on in the match, uh, he sets up uh, Martinez, who scores a center, which in my opinion, it was one of his best controlled chances in front of the goal so all season. It's been a while since I've seen him do that. So I'm like, yeah, but but he was by himself. He there was nothing. There's I would have scored that. You would have scored that. Ryan would have scored that. James would. He Lataro played great, but that's not the moment you look to. Yeah, but overall. This was a great win over Lazio. Although that I'm trying to remember who scored Lazio's goal, though uh, it was it was initially given to somebody else, but uh, they just ruled that uh, they gave it to Malinka Savage because his um, the deflection was unintentional. Not that it matters because they lost, but he gets another goal to his tally. <laughs> right. So this was definitely. A great win for Inter overall. Um, Barella continues to perform at a quality level. Christian Eriksen is proving to be a good, valuable piece to us, even though he wasn't given the playing time at the start of the season. So overall, things are just doing... This was definitely a great win, and hopefully Inter are able to keep up this momentum. All right, now let's talk about the penalty. Based on your um, evaluation... What do you th- what how difficult do you think the call was and and what why do you think it's it was a penalty or wasn't a penalty? Um, based on what I saw, there could be there's um what I like to call cases for both sides. Yes, there was um it was kind of aggressive. Um, I think the Lazio player. Tut got was able to get his foot on the ball, so it was go he was because as he was actually going for it. Um, so I mean, but overall, if there's cases for both sides. In my opinion, I think if I had to make that tough call, I still think it was a penalty because it looked a little bit more forceful than it should, needed to be for a tackle. Um, so I think it was just the penalty was justified, but like I just said, it was very. It was hard to too hard to tell because there could have been cases for both sides on that no, one. Hundred percent. Um, as Kevin, so I'm going to explain this. As Kevin Hart, you can learn today. <laughs> so just just so clear, the aggressiveness of the tackle. If you meet contact with the ball first, it doesn't matter. You can be you can be flying in like a lunatic. If you connect with the ball first, and that's the first thing that happens, then it's it's a clean tackle. If take away the penalty situation. That was a beautifully constructed tackle by, I don't know who it was, but that was a great tackle. Unfortunately, because of this, the, the, the specifics of the situation, it was given a penalty. I don't think he should have been booked for it. Like I said, it was an, it was an incredible tackle. He, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. But, 
unfortunately, since he makes contact with the with uh, he clips Lotaro from the back before he makes contact with the ball, then it, it's given a penalty. So when they looked at when they reviewed the call and they looked at the um, at the VAR, that's what they were looking for, not whether or not he connects with the ball, because it was quite clear on the play that he definitely, without question, made contact with the ball first or made contact with the ball. The question was whether that happened before uh, Lutaro. So Lutaro was already kind of going down before that, and it was because he he made contact with uh, to the back of you know to his back before it went down. But yeah, so I I, I agree. It's a really tough call to make because it's so close. And it's separated by just minuscule details. Like if it's an inch different, um, then you know it, it's not a penalty. Um, but so it's so tough to call. But in that situation, um, I, I think I think they got it right. Um, uh, anyway, uh, what were your thoughts on? Um, I know we talked about it, but I want to I want to go back to to one play in particular was the what the was the assist because that to me. Was the was the best thing Lukaku did all game? Uh, yes, his penalties are great, but you know when you're a good penalty taker, you just convert them. It's if when you miss, when you don't make it, it's it's more of a surprise than that. So well, I think we all knew where that ball was going when Lukaku put it on the spot and converted that. It was going in the back of the net. Everybody knew it was. Um, the second goal was good as well. Um, also controversial, but I think he was onside, kept himself right onside, and just this is a classic right in front of the goal bang. Um, but the, his the third goal, inter goal, was the best. Lukaku makes that great run, um, and then finds enough space to com- to uh, to complete the pass. And there there were talks of maybe he did. He was trying to shoot it. He wasn't. You could see by the, the way his foot looked that he was trying to pass it to Lutaro. That might be one of the best assists of the season, considering that they were chasing down. The, the, the gap was closing between him and the defender. He was right there with him, and he made that, that you know, perfect pass. And Lataro gets loose and, again, scores the easiest. He'll never have an easier goal in his career. That was, it, was just, it was just that simple and that easy. Yeah, that assist was a work of art. I mean, especially since the defender was on top of Lukaku, but he was able to find that small little space to get the pass off to set up Martinez. It was just like, and then of course after Martinez got the ball, he just ran it into the goal. That was it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, by the way, way, uh, he scored. Lukaku scored his three hundredth goal in that game. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's the fourth uh, youngest player to achieve such um, award or such um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Milestone. Yeah, Leo Messi, Ronaldo were first and second. And I forgot. There's somebody – I think there's somebody in between them. But but anyways, uh, congratulations on 300 goals. Way to go, Lukaku. We're proud of you. Uh, but, yeah, this was definitely a great win, and hopefully we – take that momentum into the match against um, Milan next week. I mean, this is, it's going to be one of those matches that is everybody, you better be, to, you better be tuning into that. Um, let's see. What time do we even play then? Do we get a prime time? We probably do. 145 is my guess. Yeah, it better be because if they don't, they put another. They could switch it. They could switch it as well. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we play at eight in the morning. Oh, what what day of the week? Uh, Sunday. 
Well, that's well, that's because um, Milan play in the Europa League on Thursday. Oh, that's why they had to do an early game. Okay, they're not doing that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to give a crap about that Europa League. They just want to beat Inter on on, on Sunday. Right. Um, yeah, they give the prime time spot on that day to Roma versus Benevento. Well, we get, we get one forty five on Sunday. Yeah, you guys get one forty five on Sunday. That's a strange choice. Yeah, I mean, why, why do the? Hold on a second. Then, but but Milan and Roma have to wait the same amount of days. You know what it means, probably. It what? probably means that um, that Milan's game on th- on Thursday is the is the um, the eleven clock eleven o'clock kickoff. And then Roma has a two forty five kickoff. That's probably why. I don't yeah. know. It's just confusing because Roma also play on Thursday in the Europa League. Yeah, so that's they, probably they, why. I'll check later, but I don't think there's an extra benefit for one. Okay, strange, may, but maybe that's just the way the schedule set up. But um, when we get closer to Sunday, they could change the time because uh, do you remember the the, the Roma Juventus game was supposed to be kicked off at one forty five, right? Uh, but then they moved it back to to eleven o'clock. So I, I think that maybe they'll change it, but who knows? I'm not sure how it's going to work. But anyway, that's that's a big game um, that could determine a, a whole lot. Um, uh, so, how confident are you uh, about this? And what did what what does this performance against Lazio mean? And wh- what do you, how are you feeling about the whole situation? I'm feeling confident that Inter, if we take the momentum into the match against Milan and we win. I think if we are able to maintain the momentum and have Milan just slip in, in um, other key matches that they're going to have, I'm fairly confident that at some point maybe we could break away a little bit more in the title race. But in my opinion, I, I has, I've stated this all season long, it's probably going to be a really close race throughout. I think if Inter are able to win the Scudetto, um, I think it'll be based on uh, like maybe a four-point difference between us and Milan because Milan, despite losing their match against Spezia, are a team that does not mess around. Um, They will figure out what they did wrong and try to improve for the next match. So... I think it's going to be a very close match regardless, but if Inter are able to pull out the win and keep that momentum going, I think Inter should be in good shape. All right, so let's let's just do this. I, and I know the season still has some life left. What's what's your top four this season based on based on the half of the season that we've had already? Who do you who do you who are you picking in your top four? Um, you can do a top six if you want, actually. But but who who? What are the top spots for you? And I'll I'll do mine after. I would say Inter, Milan, Roma, Juventus. I'm gonna say Inter, Juventus, Milan, Roma. Why do you have Juventus? Your... Go ahead. Why do you say you guys are gonna be in the fourth position then? Because we're Roma. I mean, if you look at the season, they're not. They haven't really gotten any big points against the big teams. So as as long as that's the case, I, I just find it I find it difficult to imagine that that if if that continues to be the case that they can do it. Now here's the thing, um, I think so. I this is my theory. 
Roma can finish third. Um, if Roma finish third, it will be because AC Milan is is thrown is is thrown down to fourth. Um, but I don't I don't see a scenario where Juventus finishes uh, above. Um, um, sorry, above. Um, sorry, I don't see a scenario where where we finish above Juventus. I just don't. Uh, I I've been watching this Juventus as good as or bad as they may be. Juventus doesn't. They they have the qualities without even without a coach um, to do what they do. They do. So actually, I'm going to surprise you here. AC Milan are not a threat. Is are not is, are not your your main um, uh, main uh, uh, rivals in the title race. It's Juventus, and I know they're 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 there's a point back, but if they beat Napoli, they're right they're right on the tail, and. Again, AC Milan have had a beautiful story, but they want to make Champions League um, for sure, and that's that's their ambition. And they're not. I just find it. I just don't know if they're going to be able to handle the situation in regards to you, you lost a big game and now you're your biggest game this season. And history shows you that Milan over the last couple of years, even this season, are not able to to lose to a really poor team and then just just smash. So I think it's going to be um, really difficult. Do we have any more games or, or yet or other games that, that have been played? Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, No worries. Um, right now, I'm cur- uh, there's a, cur- a match currently going yeah. on. Hell By the way, Parma, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that still. <laughs> I mean, it was 1-1, but now it's 2-1, and the 67th minute, and it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, and what, you know it's a great idea to do when you're um, when you're trying not to um, to lose and right. trying to survive the season is putting your two most attacking the the two most gifted attackers you have on the bench for the first half, and then only now we're starting to bring them on. Uh, by the way, and uh, Cornelius should never should never play at performer again. He's the worst footballer in the world at this uh, right now. Oh, jeez! Wow. Anyway. But yeah, I, okay. Sorry, go ahead. Um, but yeah, overall, that's the only other match that is still hasn't been fully completed yet. So, but talking to my thing now. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess Elliot has something special prepared for us, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm gonna hand it over to him. All right, just real quick. What we're gonna do is a transfer carousel. Oh boy! I'm going to, I'm gonna throw some names. You're gonna give them. You're going to. Um, you're going to. Um, you're going to pick – okay, I'm going to do it in a certain way. Um, but I'm just going to throw some names out there. You, you you pick the location where they're going to go. You could be wrong. You could be right. It's all just hypothetical. Real quick, though, if, it, if the season ended today, who, who would you give um, player of the season to? And uh, also, who'd, who would you be the coach of the season if you had to pick right? Um, player of the season would go to – Barella and no for 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 whole Syria. Oh, for whole Syria, but that's what I meant. Barella and then manager. I would have to say Pioli. Okay, yeah, you're you're absolutely out of your your mind for Barella. Um, but I would say Lukaku would be first. Um. Yeah, Lukaku so would be my first, and then uh, I don't know who, who else. I, I mean, there's a lot of players that have been good this season, but Burrell has been he second half of the season, 
but he hasn't been playing like this all season, so I, I think that downgrades him a little. All right, so here's what we're going to do. You need a goalkeeper. I need a goalkeeper, right? I'm going to um, pick – I'm going to tell you the, the goalkeepers in Italy that will that, – that are going to be potentially on the move. Um, you're enter. You pick the one you want, and then you basically um, – you you give locations to the yeah that sounds that good. good and then I have a few other players that are that are going to leave this summer that I want to see your opinion on um, and then all right so of the goalkeepers that could leave and you can you can, you have the option to say stay that one of them is going to stay or whatever um, so the, the goalkeepers um, and if you, if you don't have a particular team and you want outside of Italy you can say abroad or something um, so you have you have Dragonowski Fiorentini keeper. You have Cragno Calgalari. You have Juan Musso Udinese. You have Emil Odero, Sampdoria, and then you have Alex Merritt from Napoli. So, wh- which, which, who's going to. What were the there? names again? Juan Musso Udinese, uh, Dragonowski from Fiorentina, um, Alex Merritt from Napoli, uh, Licio Cragno from Calgalari, and Emil Odero from Sampdoria. I would say Dragno. Okay, so so Cragno to enter. So, uh, all right, where does Musso go? Roma. I like that. Um, Dragonowski. If you don't have a team, you can just say he stays, or you can go. Uh, you can go with a a different. But you got to. But just think of the teams that need that need goalkeepers and teams that are now losing. Um, I would say Cotone. Okay. Um, if they survive, uh, let's see. Um, where does Emil Odero go? Stay, go, or um, stays leave the country? Stays in Sampdoria. Um, Alex Merritt definitely not being definitely leaving Napoli. Um, what team? Let's just throw the relegation zone out of it. Would do you think? I would he say he goes go abroad. To? He goes abroad. Any particular? I would location, say he would go just, somewhere. Uh, in, um, I think in the Premier League. Okay, I'm just gonna say West Ham. Um, then uh, Donnarumma, does he stay at Milan or does he? Does I he think leave just based season? on his loyalty to the club, I think he just stays there and, t- and finishes out his career. He goes to Chelsea. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Because here's why I say that. So, the um, so they've offered him a five year deal. He doesn't want a five year deal. Him and his agent want a two year deal so he can leave uh, one year from now. So I think he stays one more season. He'll sign a one year deal and then he'll leave and go to Chelsea after that to go up there with Tuchel. Um, let's see, uh, Locatelli. Um, I think he stays. I think he goes to Man City. Um, how about, uh, who else? Musabaro. We can assume he's leaving because he, I just don't want him to be in purgatory for another, to another year. So if there's a team in Italy, who do you think would, would be? I would him? say either Roma or Inter. Okay. Um, two more. Castrovilli. Uh, Roma. Uh, I know the answer to this one. Enter, big, 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 come on! <laughs> I've been wanting you forever. <laughs> so you're giving me, you're giving me Castrovilli, 
and Musa Musa uh, Baro or not Musa Baro. Um. Um. Oh, um. I think I don't. I think he would want a fresh start, so I would say he would go abroad to maybe like, um, France, or he would go to the Premier League as well. All right, I think he'll go to Germany, and I think I think he'll go to Leipzig. That's my guess. Um, so just just to to reevaluate, Inter have now signed Rodrigo de Paul and um, Cragno next year, and Rome have signed Castrovilli and uh, Juan Musso. I like that. I- I'm good with that. So we would have VR, Vertu, Castrovilli with Daniolo back, and then we would have a goalkeeper that actually can, you know, do what the job description says and not make mistakes and stuff. Um, yeah, and then you would have you would have um, Cragno and and Rodrigo DePaul. Now I kind of really hope that happens. Now I think that'd be fun to watch. Anyway, that's it. Actually, that was actually kind of fun. I like that. Um, uh, do you have anything you want to plug in? No, oh well, then I'll just plug this in. Um, has most of you know, uh, Elliot is also a part of another podcast called The Football Apex with our uh, friend James. And this week, uh, I'll be uh, on their podcast discussing the Champions League matches that take place this week. So stay tuned for that episode, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I forgot about that. <laughs> Wow! Okay. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> it wasn't intentional. I just, just kind of. Well, as most people would say about a, the the common stereotype with us women is that we remember everything. Well, I'm ADHD. I either forget stuff or I remember stuff. There's no in between. <laughs> it's all good. I, I, no, I I under I knew that it was happening. I just in that I just forgot that. It yeah, was no week, worries. Um, but I think we pretty much covered all the bases, except of course the final results of the Parma uh, match that's going on against uh, Verona. But and we can ass- we can assume Parma lo- lose. So everybody, <laughs> fuck up and have a good day. <laughs>